Genre. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Jack Kelly from the film Newsies. And joining me for the discussion is returning Protagonist Podcast co-founder Todd Mack. Welcome back, Todd. Thank you. It's good to be here to talk about this awesome film. Yes, uh, we needed to bring you back because this is our 400th episode. And when we were talking about what to do for a 400th episode, we kind of realized we've talked about a lot of Kenny Ortega texts yes. <laughs> as we've hit the hundreds. And I thought, why not go back to one of the first Kenny Ortega projects I ever saw, Newsies? Yeah, and perhaps, I don't know, maybe the best. <laughs> um, for anyone who doesn't remember, Newsies is a 1992 film musical. It was written by Bob Zudiker and Noni White and directed by Kenny Ortega. And it has music by Alan Menken and Jack Feldman and starred Christian Bale as Jack Kelly, David Moscow as Davey, Bill Pullman as Brian Denton, and Robert Duvall as Joseph Pulitzer. Todd, do you remember when you first saw Newsies? Boy, I remember... um, I don't remember when I actually saw it, but I remember the time. And it it was so perfect like i was probably 11 and um i just i thought those newsies were so cool (laughs) and like every kid my age wanted a newsy cap and 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 we would have arguments about like who was the coolest newsy and it was just it was (laughs) totally (laughs) right in the target audience for this movie um but but I don't know. I mean, I think I think even people older than me were also really into it as well. It was kind of a it was kind of a big deal when it came out. See, I don't remember that at all. Really, <laughs> I, I remember seeing the trailer for it and thinking the musical numbers looked awesome, and then fi- hearing nothing about it until I want to say my parents rented it, maybe. But like, wow. no cultural zeitgeist, no. <laughs> <laughs> nothing which uh look at trivia my memory is a little more accurate <laughs> what happened to the film that you're you were in a bubble i was disney definitely in a newsy, i was definitely in a newsies bubble oh uh, yeah disney would have loved if your experience had been a little more widespread than my experience <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh yeah and then i but i remember as teenagers as this was on uh home video like just more and more people like knew what newsies was like it it definitely found an audience um but i guess let's go ahead and get into the trivia beginning with this movie was one of the biggest bombs in disney history wow yeah uh i mean you're in the you're in the document have you glanced down at the trivia yet yeah i just saw it only made $2.8 million at the box That's office. That's incredible. That like doesn't even cover hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. Uh, it had a budget of $15 million. Uh, and that's before any advertising. But wow. my sense is they didn't do a lot of uh, advertising. They felt like they had a bomb on their hands. And uh, most theaters pulled it after the first week. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> I don't know where your newsy phantom Todd. I don't know where it about, but, it was like but, me and three friends probably. Yeah, but Disney definitely would have loved if your 
your your embrace of like debating the coolest newsie yeah yeah had <laughs> found a wider audience which it eventually did uh, this movie has a really interesting history so it was reportedly a pet project of uh disney studio chair jeffrey katzenberg and he thought this was going to revitalize and revolutionize live action musicals this was a early on in the Disney Renaissance for their animated musicals. Uh-huh. And thought this is going to be the ticket to like, we're just going to be pulling in money from musicals, uh, live action animated. We're just going to alternate them. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it, it just was such a huge bomb. <laughs> like, yeah. no, no one went to see it. Uh, and then the, I mean, the story is that on home video and then also Disney channel, just like dropping it in randomly here and there, it started to find an audience. Um, but it was a pretty slow burn. It seems like, I think uh, the, the history it. of the live action musical to me, especially like the re- you know, recent, I say recent, this was 30 years ago, but, um, the history of, of live action musicals is super interesting to me because like every once in a while something comes out and everyone's totally into it. And, and you think, man, this is the revival of the live action musical for sure. <laughs> you know, and like, like La La Land comes out and everyone, oh man, this is amazing. It's people and they're or, singing and dancing and it's so exciting. And, and or like the greatest showman, which people thought was a bomb in its first week, but then it just kind of kept going and going and ended up making like 400 million. I know these guys should have kept the uh, newsies going. They should have, they should have had a little more faith in it because it, it would have turned into a, a greatest showman kind of thing. But yeah i mean there's definitely some behind the scenes talent so alan menken um is uh wrote the uh score and he was hoping to work with lyricist howard ashman they had worked together on some films you may have heard of little mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin yeah uh, for disney (laughs) but um ashman was too ill from late stages of aids and uh he actually died while menken and feldman were in songwriting sessions which was very hard on alan yeah it's been a very difficult um project to have worked on when his his longtime collaborator and friend uh, was dying as, as he worked on this. Yeah. Um, and originally this film, the script by Zudiker and white was not a musical. <laughs> so that's a pretty big change. And when Kenny Ortega uh, was brought on, he helped to transition it to a musical. So like the, the vision of this film has ha- had many shapes uh, yeah. going on. Um, and I think at this point, Kenny Ortega was most well known as the choreographer for Dirty Dancing. I think that's what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> this is pre this is pre uh, Hocus Pocus. Yes, I believe so. Uh, I will I will double check that in a, in a little bit. Um, but uh, so Ortega has this vision to, to kind of transform this into a musical. They bring on Mankin and, and uh, it's, it's Feldman is going to be work on that um but they sign bale and uh christian bale and um uh moscow is the last name of the other lead david moscow as jack kelly and davy neither of whom who have any ha- have any singing or dancing training mm-hmm. <laughs> as the two leads <laughs> uh <laughs> so um th- they add one week of rehearsal time to try to help with this uh voice and dancing coaches are brought on i, I saw it was like madonna's voice coach was brought on to try and help them <laughs> <laughs> and like so now there's a whole bunch of articles that i was able to find that are talking about newsies because there's been like a, a revival of interest in newsies because in the last everyone is real is coming to realize what i learned when i was yeah. 11 years old which is this like is a great movie todd mac was, had his finger on the pulse of pop culture um, exactly even when the general population did not yet 
Um, but in all these articles, they mentioned uh, Bale in Moscow not knowing how to sing. And I think we also need to note Bill Pullman doesn't come across as like a train oh, vocalist. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and King of New York. Oh, man. <laughs> so somehow it's just just those two. And, and it's like, well, OK, you know, let's throw a little shade Bill Pullman's way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mentioned there's a whole bunch of articles about this. Uh, the one that I pulled uh, or that I looked at was by Paige DeFore. Uh, and that's from like just a few months ago. Where they, they and they interviewed a whole bunch of the cast. I mean, not Bill Pullman and not Christian Bale, but a lot of the other <laughs> uh, people that were involved. And they mentioned some interesting trivia things that range from like Christian Bale had visa trouble getting back into the country to start <laughs> filming, and the rumors that Steven Spielberg <laughs> reached out to get the ball rolling with, <laughs> you know, just uh, loosen up the bureaucracy for Christian Bale. Um, and also that Bale and Sarah Jacobs, who plays his love interest in the film, actually started dating while filming, but then broke up the day before filming their rooftop <laughs> lunch scene. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they were not even talking to each other other than <laughs> reciting the lines. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and this film uh, is, well, somewhat unexpectedly, because this was a bomb for Disney. It's been adapted into a Broadway show. Um, like revived. And one reason that they said is uh, the the licensing company for Disney, where they like people reach out for, um, you know, the, the versions of musicals that they can do for, uh, you know, children's productions or high school productions. Um, you know, that Disney has all this licensing. They said one of the most requested uh, things they had was was Newsies. <laughs> do, you, do you have a licensed version of Newsies? And they didn't because Disney didn't care about the film Newsies. And they started to hear about all these unlicensed versions where people were writing down um, script and transcribing stuff uh -huh. to make their own uh, versions of Newsies and perform them. Uh, so finally, uh, they decided we got to do something with this. And so in 2012, a Broadway show of Newsies uh, was really uh, or, or began its run and it had reworked music from Alan Menken and uh, Feldman. And it also reworks the plot and changes some things. So instead of Denton, there's a woman reporter who covers the strike, which sounds like, okay, well, they're, they're just trying to add more women characters. Turns out that's historically accurate to this <laughs> newsy strike. <laughs> Annie Kelly is the reporter that, that provided most of the coverage that we have of this newsy strike. And she was like at the time called the patron saint of the newsies. Wow. <laughs> Why didn't we have a Annie Kelly in, uh, uh, in, in the, the original, original newsies? Film? I know. Yeah. Um, and uh, for the Broadway show, though, they, they remove Davy's sister and they make this uh, reporter Jack's love interest. Wow. It's, is that uh, kind of so weird? They, Have you seen the Broadway version of this? No. Like it uh, when I finished watching the film for this podcast episode, like the next recommended thing on Disney Plus was was the Broadway musical. Yeah. Um, so I just hit play while I was typing up some more of the, the trivia um, and just had it on in the background. I didn't get very far into it, but like it, it immediately it's re- uh, imagining something so it like it opens with jack santa fe song um like as he's waking up in the morning interesting um, and so you can tell there's some differences but like it still feels like all the music like some added verses were in the the opening ballad song that they have like when all the newsies are coming out so, so there there's some changes uh and and that's just a filmed version of the broadway play yeah um so it's not a film of of this updated version uh -huh. Um, and I got far enough to see uh, that reporter, but like I, I didn't get far enough to like see how all the plot changes went with with that stuff. OK. Um, and the Broadway musical has been very successful. <laughs> it, it was nominated for nine Tony Awards uh, and it won best choreography and best original score. Uh, it ran on Broadway for three years before going on a national tour. A version is opening in London this year, I believe. Um, and yeah, there's that filmed version. It originally was on Netflix, but now it's on Disney Plus. If you want to see the filmed version of 
this updated version. Okay. Oh, and the other trivia, the actual history. Uh, yes, I, I was, I, I was hoping, I mean, expecting that you would, that you would come up with this, but when, when it says, this is, what does it say at the beginning? Inspired by a true events. Yeah, inspired by true events. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> once upon a time, there were some kids that sold newspapers in New York. True story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in 1899, publishers did increase the price to Newsies from 50 cents for 100 papers to 60 cents for 100 papers, but didn't change the price that the papers would be sold to the customers. Um, so they're trying to, you know, uh, squeeze more money out of the distribution end of this without the customers paying anymore. And there was a one-eyed newsie named Kid Blink who led unionizing <laughs> efforts. Kid Blink. I, yeah. Sounds they like, a, to, like a singer. Yeah. They changed this to Jack Cowboy Kelly uh, for the movie instead of Kid Blink. But there is the one, uh, the, the newsie with the eye patch. Yeah, yeah. It must be some, a, like a like a homage or something. Yes, it is. And uh, Kid Blink's other nicknames that he was known by were Red Blink, because he had red hair, Muggsy McGee, and Blind Diamond. I like Blind Diamond. That sounds like an X-Man. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why we ended up with Jack Cowboy Kelly. That's like as generic a lead <laughs> name as you can <laughs> right. have when you have Kid Blink the Bl Blind Diamond sitting right there. I know. Seriously. <laughs> um, David Simmons was another uh, leader, and it seems like Kid Blink was the charismatic uh, like speech giver and David Simmons might have been some of the brains behind this. So they, they do keep some of that dynamic for Newsies uh, with Davey. Um, and partway through the strike, both Kid Blink and David Simmons were accused of having accepted bribes from publishers uh, to begin selling papers again. They both deny this. Um, but, you know, that's a plot point <laughs> that's in the film. Uh, eventually, the publishers and the Newsboy Union, this strike only lasted uh, like it was two or three weeks, I think. Mm hmm. But the publishers don't lower the price to the newsies, uh, but they begin buying back unsold papers, which mm. is something they'd never done. So in the morning, like the newsies had to go and say, give me uh, 50 papers. If they don't sell, if they only sell 30 of them, they just have to eat the cost of the other 20, right. uh, the, the, you know, originally. And so there is some give and take between the publishers and the newsboy union. Um, and this uh, does, I mean, it is a a part of some transformation in terms of child labor in the United States. Did they, did they publish their own paper and get all of the child workers of New York to go I on strike? Don't, I, I don't remember seeing anything about that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I believe that was uh, a stretch. Okay, a little stretch. This. Yeah. Um, what do they so, call it? Uh, embellishing the truth? or What was that? Isn't that what Jack Kelly calls it? He says, I don't lie, yeah, yeah. I just embellish the truth. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> I love it in the in in this in the movie the way that he takes like a story and <laughs> embellishes it to yeah. make it sound more salacious. Um, let's see. Yeah, this uh, checking the recesses of my mind. Uh, it says that the strike um, is credited with inspiring later strikes, but that idea that it was like a a strike of the the children of New York, you know, child labor of New York City that yeah. seems to have been okay. um, just put in for the finale. It is a good finale. Uh, it is. Yeah. So, so that's uh, the actual history. Oh, the other bit of trivia I, I didn't put in the notes, but um, this movie had a very strange production and it leads to some strange continuity problems. Like halfway through, they decide that 
um, Jack Kelly should look a little more rugged. So like his hair just kind of changes how Kemp, <laughs> how Kemp he is halfway through and they didn't have time or money to go reshoot anything. So it just changes in some scenes. That's funny. Um, but also they had a big finale where um, at the end of the film, he rides off with um, Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. They had scripted uh, this whole sequence of him going to um, the, oh, what's the name of the big train station in New York City? Um, Union Station? Yeah, Union Station, and actually being on a train and then deciding to jump off. And then they're they're, like, they're getting late in the game, and they're like, we don't have the budget to redress <laughs> Union Station and get an old-timey train in here. <laughs> so they just rewrote it that he drove off with Roosevelt, and then Roosevelt drives him back. <laughs> That's... <laughs> the, I was noticing as I was watching it last night, um, it it feels a little awkward. Like the, the big finale there with, with yeah, yeah 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 because there's like everybody is there. I, I mean all of the all of the child laborers of New York, millions of people in the streets cheering and 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 rallying and there's signs everywhere and then it's like hooray 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 i get in the carriage with teddy roosevelt and and i ride off into the sunset and then like full cut and then it's like it seems like it's the next morning yeah but and 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 like, it's it like can't it, be because Teddy Roosevelt has just done a loop, <laughs> right? It seems like it's the like next one. The kids morning. are just going and grabbing the paper. Like there it's were no like issues with the production. Papers and I, give me a hundred papers. And then he turns around, and then next thing you know, here comes Jack uh, with Teddy Roosevelt. You know, thanks, Governor, for your advice. I've got family here. I've got things to take care of. And he gets out, and it's like, when did that? How did that happen? Like, was it a? Did it take him a day? And a night to get to the train. I mean, they, they talk all night and then come back in the morning with, uh, you know, with this newfound wisdom from Teddy Roosevelt, or was it just a few minutes and they were like, all right, everybody get out of here. We got to go sell some papers. You know, like it just doesn't, it didn't make any sense to me. And now I know why. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, um, like I, I had looked up some of the story before watching and because of that, like in some of the group dance numbers, I see how often they're cutting away from Jack and uh, Davey. Oh, because they are not good dancers. Yep. Oh and yeah. Sometimes when they're on, when they're in the wide shots, like I can, I think I can see like Christian Bell mouthing the numbers in some of the numbers. <laughs> Three. There's a, there's one point in, um in the opening number when he just looks like he's stumbling around drunk. Like literally, I mean, he literally looks like he's stumbling around drunk. And I've always uh-huh. wondered about that because in Santa Fe, he does some, I think he does some pretty good dancing. Yeah. Uh, There's a few solo numbers where you can see <laughs> he, he's he's worked on this. But in some of the group numbers, I just don't think he had enough time. to. I think he had absolutely no idea what he's doing in that opening number, which is totally glorious to me. I, I love the way this film opens. But, <laughs> but he is really, obviously, totally lost. Yeah, and you see him like looking down at his feet, looking at his marks, and and like uh, <laughs> basically, like, what's the rhythm here? One, two, three, four, and swing and totally, two, three, totally. Four, and I'll tell you what, there are some kids in this that are really good dancers, though. Oh yeah, the the end shot, like when they have a whole bunch of the newsies that like, come out and perform, is like, oh, these are the real dancers. Yeah, <laughs> like, I do remember like distinctly noting that. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is real performance. And one one thing that I think is interesting about the budget is it does feel very small uh, for a lot of the film right mm-hmm. like like it's it's supposed to be a strike of 
you know, it, this would have been hundreds and hundreds and we're following like a dozen yeah, <laughs> yeah. newsies uh, for a lot of it. But that last shot, when they do bring in actual crowds of kids, mm-hmm. like that shows, uh, you know, this like pre, um, you know, crowd plating, which is what they do now where they like digitally create all the crowds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there's something that feels there's there's a different energy to this crowd yeah. than when you see in film crowds now that it's just the same group of 100 people multiplied hundreds of times digitally. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do want to shout that out uh, that they actually must have had hundreds and hundreds of extras for that final scene. Yeah, and and so uh, Christian Bale specifically, he did sing his own. He did his own singing. He didn't do a Zac Efron uh, High School Musical. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone did their own singing. Okay, okay, that makes sense because he's not very good, <laughs> very good singer. But I love Santa Fe. Yeah. Even I don't. I don't know. There's something about the way that he sings it and it, and it's not, you know, it's not like amazing, but I don't know. It feels kind of earnest to me. And I like it. I like the way that I, I like that number a lot. I like the way it's I think that I, earnestness is really key. Like, like even these people who aren't the best, like when they're really trying, yeah, it, it doesn't bother me. Um, I, I, in fact, I think probably the worst performance is like Bill Pullman kind of feels like he's halfway trying <laughs> in the King of New York. <laughs> Like if he had just gone all out and tried, even if it wasn't the best, I think it would have been a little better. <laughs> so speaking of Bill Pullman, I wanted to bring this up. So think about the difference between Bill Pullman and Robert Duvall. When you talk about like great actors and people who can just completely disappear into a role, um, Bill Pullman is always Bill Pullman. Yeah, and that is very pleasant. Very often, like he, <laughs> he is, he is very good in uh, while you were sleeping. It, like as president of, in Independence, Independence Day, but those right, he's always the same character. You could just put yeah. different clothes on him and say, "Okay, now go do this thing," and he's like, "Okay," and then he just goes and does it. And it, and it's obviously Bill Pullman. He doesn't try to hide the ball, and he does it well. And and I think he's a you know he's a fine actor. If I see Bill Pullman in something, I think, "Oh, cool, it's Bill Pullman. He's great." Um. Robert Duvall. So uh, last week I was in Argentina. And while I was in Argentina, uh, I went to a cafe that's called Cafe Tortoni. It was the favorite uh, like hangout of Jorge Luis Borges, right? So we've talked about Borges before. We have. Uh, this Argentine we again. writer. And we will again. Yeah. There's a wax figure of Borges in the, in the place. It's very cool. And in the front, there's all this memorabilia and pictures of bunches of famous people who have eaten in Cafe Tortoni, including uh, Hillary Clinton and Susan Sarandon and, yes, Robert Duvall. So I was showing pictures of my trip to uh, a friend of ours probably one hour before I watched this film. And I said, and Robert Duvall was there. And then I turn on this film and I see him and I go, is that Robert Duvall? Like I had just seen his picture and I'm like going back and forth. And I'm pretty sure that's him, but it doesn't doesn't look like Robert Duvall at all. And and it doesn't sound, I mean, it was just, and I, I, and then I end up looking it up and I'm like, it is Robert Duvall, but it's just, it's amazing the way that some people are able to transform themselves in uh in film to the point that you can see their picture and then 20 minutes later see them on film and not know for sure if you're seeing the same person yeah and it, it, with robert duvall it's not just obviously there's hair and makeup but like just the way he holds himself as pulitzer and the the way he delivers his lines like it's uh it is transformative yeah i mean right? think from, about duvall in this and duvall in the apostle yeah 
And it's just, uh, it's, it's astounding. And, and it's the difference between like a good actor like Bill Pullman and a like, generational actor like Duvall, I think. Um, I do want to say just before we jump into the, the summary, I, Christian Bale is an actor from Great Britain that I completely forget is from Great Britain. So, oh, totally. So also, yeah. His, his accent work is so good. <laughs> it's really good. It is really good. Yeah. Like there's some British actors that like I always know Tom Hiddleston and Benedict Cumberbatch are British, right? Like I, <laughs> no matter what they're doing, and I'm not saying their accent work is bad. I just kind of always know they're British. Yeah, I, I don't have that problem with Christian Bale. It uh, he's similar to Hugh Jackman in that way for me. Yeah, and this is I mean he would have been like 18 I think when it, when this one was being made. Mm-hmm. Like he's pretty young and he's already nailing uh, a lot of. You know, I think he's going to have a long career. That's just one. I think he's just Looking fresh off of. Is he fresh off of um, Little Women, or is he just about to do Little Women when he does? Ah, this is ninety uh, two. When is that Little? I think it's the, might be released the same year. So I don't know which would have been first. Okay, it's about uh, that same time. Oh no, this this is a little before. Okay. So he goes from this to Little Women. Must okay. Be. Okay. Um, All right. Well, before we move on to the plot summary of Newsies, we want to thank you for downloading this episode. And we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media we've been consuming that we are not yet covering as full episodes of the podcast. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. On to the summary of Newsies in 1899. The Newsies sell papes. Uh, They buy the papers from the newspaper company in the morning and then sell them to customers for a small profit. Any papers they don't sell, they just don't get the money back for. A new Newsie, David Jacobs and his little brother Les, join the Newsies and Jack takes them under his wing, mostly because Jack thinks he can use young Les to gain sympathy and sell more papers. David and Les have a home and a family unlike most Newsies, but their dad has recently lost his job at a factory when he got hurt and he didn't have a union to protect him. While Jack is scraping by uh, in New York, he dreams of going west to Santa Fe. That's his big I want song is Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out it's not what he wants, though. It's like a false I want song. <laughs> 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 or <laughs> He just doesn't know what he wants yet. Uh, to increase profits, Joseph Pulitzer raises the price of his papers, but not on his customers. He will increase the price to the newsies uh, so that when they buy the, pap- uh, the papers to sell, they have to spend more and get less profit. David talks to Jack uh, about unions and how the Newsies could fight back against Pulitzer and this price change. Jack realizes they'd have to get all the Newsies around New York to participate or it won't rattle Pulitzer. So they send out ambassadors to go talk to the Newsies in every borough, even Brooklyn. Brooklyn. The Newsies <laughs> sabotage the newspaper distribution center. One of them, called Crutchy because he uses a crutch, uh, is arrested. The Newsies try to intimidate strike breakers who are who are the ones that are still going to try to sell the papers. Um, but in, in this instance, it's a trap set by the distributor, uh, the distributors, and it's turning violent against the Newsies. But then the Brooklyn Newsies, led by Spot Conlon, arrive and help uh, fight back uh, the, the company men. Uh, a reporter named Denton, who writes for a competitor's paper, reports a story about the Newsies' strike. To try and get more papers to cover the strike, the Newsies organize a giant rally, uh, but a man named Snyder, who runs a refuge for troubled boys, has recognized Jack as an escapee from his institution. At the rally, Snyder has Jack arrested. Jack is taken to see Pulitzer, uh, who tries to bribe Jack and then threatens the other Newsies' families in order to get Jack to line up and go back to selling papers. 
The next day, the newsies are shocked when Jack is selling papers and a nice new suit uh, bought by Pulitzer. When I was looking up the information about the actual newsboy strike, this is one thing that led to rumors of, um, oh, what's the one-eyed newsy? <laughs> uh, uh, blind Diamond? <laughs> yes, Blind Diamond, is that he showed up in nicer clothes one day. And all uh, the stuff. Oh, no, he sold out. <laughs> got it. Um. Uh, so Jack is now selling papers again, but then David, Les, and their sister, who Jack kind of fancies, um, are harassed for still striking, and Jack steps in uh, and fights off the people who are harassing them, and he joins the Newsies again. Reconnecting with Denton, uh, Denton tells him that uh, Pulitzer has worked with the other publishers to make sure that nobody will report uh, on the Newsies' strike. Uh, they realize that this, the whole city thrives on child labor and they, uh, and, uh, the publishers are worried that if the newsies strike is successful, um, it'll spread and the whole economic system in New York would have to transform. So business leaders uh, don't want anyone talking about the newsies strike. Jack Denton and the newsies break into one of Pulitzer's old billet, uh, buildings that has an abandoned, uh, old, much older print, printing press, but Denton knows how to use it. And they print out a, a newspaper they call the newsie banner and they distribute it to the child workers throughout the city. Denton takes a copy to the governor, Teddy Roosevelt. The paper also exposes the illegal mistreatment of children at the refuge. Uh, the next morning, the child labor forces throughout the city strike. Roosevelt uh, has uh, the head of the refuge arrested, and he rides into the center of this massive children's labor strike. Jack confronts Pulitzer, who relents on the price increase. Roosevelt offers Jack a ride anywhere. Jack plans to go to the train station to ride off to Santa Fe, as he's always dreamed of. But... He has a change of heart and returns to sell papers with his friends. Jack kisses Sarah as Spot Conlon rides, gets a ride with Roosevelt back to Brooklyn. <laughs> the end. <laughs> nice. It is um, very abrupt, the final act. <laughs> How quickly things have to happen. Yes. <laughs> like the this labor movement really takes off. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with, with the, the, the one thing. Um, and I think that's something you feel more when you're like typing up the summary or talking through it mm-hmm. in the film it doesn't feel as rushed it just kind of works uh so I, it's something that i think uh you know kenny ortega and uh the musical score and seeing the crowd of the children like it all works as a big finale for the film it's only when you step back and you're like wait all of the children <laughs> unionized overnight overnight yes <laughs> yeah, okay. so <laughs> i think it's interesting um like the economics of all of this, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'm 100 percent certain that I had no idea what was really going on when I, when I, <laughs> I was watched this, say the this first as a children's I, movie. I don't think I follow it. Like, like I would have seen it when I was 12 or 13. Yeah. I'm sure on on home video the first time, and not followed exactly what it meant to unionize and strike and what the price increase would mean. Yeah. No, I, it, and none of that really matters. Mm-hmm. Um. I watched it with my kids last night and they had no questions about any of that stuff. They just took it all in and they were like, it's fine. And in, my, in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, do, do they understand anything, <laughs> anything that's happening right now? But, um, but I think that uh, Ortega does a good enough job um, with kind of the, the broad strokes that you get mm-hmm. what, what you really need to get. And the rest of it is just, it's like, fine whatever it, it just doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah it, it's um e- even with not understanding how this all works like it's clear who the good guys who the are who the bad guys are mm-hmm. uh what the obstacles are that need to be overcome uh, and the interpersonal stakes of the relationships between uh jack and davy and um uh sarah right like we 
all of that works, even yeah. if you don't understand 1899 <laughs> social economics and politics and and actual economics uh, that are that are at play in this. Um, every now and then, I like as I was prepping for this, I saw a tweet that had gone viral that just said like It's wild that Walt Disney made a pro union movie." <laughs> Right. <laughs> the, the other thought that I had that made me chuckle was um, we talked about High School Musical 2, which is also uh-huh. all about child labor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that was for our 300th episode. In a completely <laughs> different context. <laughs> Remember all those kids complaining about how hard they have to work and how <laughs> they can't, they just can't wait for some, all those entitled kids. It's kind of funny. These are These are two kind of bookends. To. <laughs> uh, to our Kenny Ortega oeuvre. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they're also all, you know, child actors and actresses mm-hmm. that aren't really children, but they're playing children. <laughs> probably some of them getting paid lots of money. Some of them probably not getting paid very much at all. But anyway, I think it's funny. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> watch Newsies and then go watch High School Musical 2 if you want to see how. Uh, the feelings of uh, entitlement have changed over the course of 120 years. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, the Walt Disney company famously, maybe not the most pro union company in the history of, (laughs) of companies. Uh, And this is a decidedly pro union film. Like, like the, the bad guys are the big business owners. Uh, And uh, you know, the good guys are the, the, the ones down in the trenches doing the, what, what, the you know the the business owners review is like the minor work yeah. but that's what actually makes anything happen uh is is you know that distribution uh that the, that they're doing um so yeah it's just <laughs> just a little odd thing and uh, i'm just so fascinated by the the 30 year history of this film uh and where it went from one of the biggest bombs in history yeah. to um something that um i think you could say the name newsies and most people know what you're talking about oh yeah <laughs> um and and like i said it became uh an award-winning broadway musical i i won't be surprised uh with disney's love of readapting older things if we see another newsies film at some point oh yeah <laughs> that is now an adaptation of the broadway version of newsies yeah <laughs> i just immediately thought of tom holland <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's another british uh one that, that i he's one that i forget is british yeah totally <laughs> My kids heard him speak the other day with a British accent, and the, their minds like melted in front of um, in front of me. <laughs> I did not believe it. I mean, uh, on the one hand, it's like, oh, children, but I think I have the same reaction whenever I hear Christian Bale's Welsh accent. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, he's good. He's good. All right, Todd. Why do you think? this film managed to find an audience after not finding one at all. Like what well, found what, me, what is it about it that actually has resonated that 30 years on we're doing a podcast episode about it? I think, I think it's an interesting question to ask. Like, is it surprising that it failed initially or is it surprising that it gained this big following later? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh... I think the size of the current following and the fact that it has led to like an award-winning Broadway revival, that is maybe more, more surprising to me than the complete failure. Cause to me, this feels like the kind of movie that would have just been a mid-level performer earned back its budget and, you know, fills a slot on a cable rotation. 
uh-huh. you know, in perpetuity, instead of becoming a cult hit that had kids memorizing the songs and performing them uh, because Disney wouldn't license it to them and, you know, transcribing <laughs> the, the script like that, that to me is like the, the depth of the following. It's, it is maybe a little more surprising to me because um, there's so many, I mean, there's so much media, so much media out there and a lot of it is made like with good intents, but it's not going to be talked about 30 years later. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, it's like, we're doing a job. This is going to hit all our budget marks. We're going to come in under budget uh, and we're going to uh, earn out <laughs> of the uh, earn back the cost of the budget. And now this is going to be something that's in the studio library that, you know, will, is, people will stumble upon. Uh, and it, it never achieved that initially. Right. It, yeah. it just was the opposite. Uh, it, it, and uh, that failure is, I'm sure disappointing, but I mean, that, that just happens in media, but there's so few texts that end up finding the depth of uh, a cult following that they're going to end up being revived, uh, you know, yeah. decades later. Um, so, so I think that that's more surprising to me is, is the longer term impact that it has had. Hmm. I, you know, as I, as I think of this compared to like Kenny Ortega's other stuff. So, you know, we, we've got like Hocus Pocus, and then the the Disney Channel original stuff, the High School Musicals, yeah. and the Descendants. And we also talked about him with the Gilmore Girls episode. So he, he also does TV directing, but that doesn't feel like like Kenny Ortega sure. stuff, right? It's... But like if you put this up against High School Musical, I mean, we were talking about High School Musical two the other day, which is also about child labor and kids, you know, complaining about having to work in the summer and <laughs> and like that their friends going to get a scholarship to play basketball in college and and they're all upset about it and stuff mm-hmm. like th- this film, this film feels like it has way more substance yeah. than those. Yeah. And, and high school musical is like the, the opposite problem. Uh, like it was expected to just be that tiny performer where it's like, okay, we're just filling a slot. And then it became this massive phenomenon immediately. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I think, you know, the reason that today I really like this film is of, of course, like, it has the big Kenny Ortega song and dance numbers and, um, and like visually it just looks good. My daughter is 12 and she told me yesterday, she goes, dad, there's just something about boys dressed in that, like <laughs> the, the, that, you the know, newsboy cat 19th century <laughs> garb that it like, it really does it for me. <laughs> And, you know, and I think that there's something there's something to that, like the aesthetically, I think this film is super pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it also there's a there's a real like a there's a heart there's heart to this and, and some substance behind it about, you know, kids working really hard and uh, and, and going up against like real challenges. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely the underdog story. And I think this film also. The, the way it's presented, it manages to both be individualistic and collectivist at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, this, this really is Jack's story. Uh, sure. Like, he, th- there is a clear protagonist uh, in this. Um, but it also has that sense in a lot of underdog stories where it's like, we, we have to be in this together or we're all going to fail. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and so um I, I i thematically uh it it has like you said i think maybe a little more heft than some other projects uh that, that we've talked about on this podcast um but that theme of um you know the the inspiring leader that is going to enact change 
that's a story that we all like because yeah. <laughs> because we 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 know we still need change today right like we look around we still see injustices we still see things that are not as they should be and this is a story of someone who saw that and managed to actually enact a change and like it, it's it's this is a a version of the actual historical events right you know and and, and but made easier to consume uh, both in terms of we're going to add some song and dance numbers <laughs> and we're just going to simplify some of the events and um, we're going to composite some of the historical figures. Uh, but the fact that it's inspired by real events, I think is another thing that makes it resonate a bit more with audiences is um, the idea that, you know, that real people made a change. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, going back to that question of, is it more surprising that it initially failed or that it's, it's become later so hugely successful i think i'm more surprised that it initially failed not that you know i mean everything that you said about just the i mean it's like a unicorn right to have something be this successful but um but i just think it has so many things going right it's got christian bale and and duvall and bill pullman and and all the other newsies are like great crutchy is great and race car that kid from doogie hauser He's awesome. And he like sings pretty good. And, and there's all this great singing and dancing and all the things that make Kenny Ortega films so fun. Uh, and this great story and the historical context and, and, and aesthetically, I think it has so much going for it that it's surprising to me that it just completely tanked at the beginning. Yeah. And I mean, to, to your point, I do remember seeing it was either their trailer or like when we got the Disney channel preview, like something about them making this musical and just seeing like the dance number in the background uh, uh, as they were talking about making it and thinking, Oh, that's going to be awesome. (laughs) I want to see that. (laughs) I I wonder if it was like a marketing failure more than a people didn't really like it. I wonder if they, you know, somebody at some point said, well, I don't know about this film. And so then whoever was in charge of marketing got cold feet and they didn't want to put a bunch of money into it. And then when the initial box office was tepid, then they just said, yep, we were right. Let's just pull out. And, and uh, like, they didn't give it the chance that it really deserved. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, clearly it has found (laughs) an audience. Uh, so, so it could have, uh, at the time. And I think that's one thing that's really interesting about, um, the entertainment industry is there's so much chance in terms of what becomes popular when (laughs) you think that they would just, they would just know for sure. Yeah. But, but things that are, that, that fail, it, it often has very little to do with, uh, the quality of the product or the intent behind it, or, you know, like there's so many, so many other factors that are play and things that are huge successes it, mm-hmm. you know there could be things that are like maybe have more artistic merit that are are flopping right next to <laughs> to something else that is, that is really taking off yeah yeah um i mean we, we kind of already talked a little bit about jack's like uh, ter- return uh at the finale um but as a character do you think i guess what do you think about jack <laughs> let me just put it that way. i don't want to lead you <laughs> i like i like his arc in this um, I love the, I mean, just the way that the film opens and the way that it, um, that it sets the stage and tells you who these kids are without, what was I thinking of? I was thinking of, oh, I was thinking of zombies when zombie starts and she's like, no, Hi. zombies is another Disney. Have we not talked about zombies? I thought we did. No, I, I've never watched zombies. Oh, okay. Well, so zombie starts 
And it's like, hi, my name's Addison, and I have to go to school, and I'm scared because I have white hair. Like, it's so, so expository. Like, Mm. and just, just, you know, straight up, I'm just going to say, hi, my name's Zed, and I'm a zombie, and, but I don't like eating brains. I eat cauliflower, (laughs) you know, and this one at least, uh, you know give some credit to the to the audience that you'll be able to figure this out if you see these kids wake up and you see them interact with each other then you'll get it and they can sing a song and we'll talk about some of the you know the stakes and things but um it's way more subtle (laughs) than i just looked up zombies is not a kenny ortega film okay well if it were it would be better (laughs) (laughs) but uh musicals do give you that insight through the song and dance very often of like exactly what characters are thinking, but uh, you're right that there's different levels of that <laughs> that can happen with it. Right. So like how a spoon fed is the audience. Um, so like when Jack sings Santa Fe, this is his, I want song about like the, the getting out of New York and the allure of the West and wanting, you know, a fresh start, right. right. In a lot of ways, but it's not him singing. I just need to get out of here and go find a fresh start. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it, it, it is, but you know that it's really not right. Mm-hmm. When he says in the end, um, what does he say? So, so they call a family, mother, daughter, father, son. Uh, aren't you glad that you don't have that? Aren't you glad you have a dream called Santa Fe? And everybody watching that goes, no, you don't really want Santa Fe. What you really want is a family. Yeah. And it's, and I love that they, that they, that they trust the audience enough to let him sing that song and be super earnest and say, this is what I really, really want. And for us to just know that that's not what he really wants, even though he doesn't even realize that at this point, I don't think. Yeah. And I like the, I like, like how all of that plays out. I like the way that the, that the whole bribe situation plays out and the fact that initially he says no. And the reason why he falls into the bribe is because of the threat to his friends. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, he tries to play that up. And then the, when he saves the girl and, um, that all of that, uh, like, I think that it's all timed well and, and it resonates well on the, and the Mencken score and everything. Like it just, <laughs> it, it works. It totally works for me. Um, so I like his, I like his arc. I like where he starts. Um, I like the way that he transforms over the course of the film. I feel like the, the obstacles feel real and challenging. Um, and he, there's something that's Jack Kelly that stays consistent throughout, even while he's able to change. Um, so yeah, I like him as a character. I think, I think he does a good job. I want to circle back to what you were saying about trusting the audience. I somehow, I still have this memory of in, in the opening number when there's the mother who's looking for a son. Exactly. Like, I was going to bring that up too. I still remember like processing what that meant for who these newsies were. Cause on the one hand, it's just kind of like cool group of kids hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, and, and then just having that one mom who's like walking through the newsboy group searching for her son. Yeah. Uh, it adds this level of tragedy to every single one of these kids. It's poignant. Yes. And that I remember, like we're saying, like, I don't know how much of the economic story I processed when I saw this when I was 12 or 13 or whatever. Uh, but I do remember processing that. Yeah. <laughs> that there's some pathos to what it means to be a newsie. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I noticed watching it this time that I, that I didn't used to pay attention to when I saw this, when I was younger is just the role of all of the adults. And, 
Um, like you got the guy that runs the, the, the shelter where all the boys live and, you know, he's waking them up in the morning and he's, um, he protects Jack. He protects Jack when, when Snyder comes by and you've got the nuns that are giving them food and the, and the, and the mother that's looking for her son and Denton. And then there's the guy, what's his name? Sykes, the guy that works for, for Pulitzer. And he's like, mm-hmm. come on, these are kids. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then you've got, you know, Weasel and there, there's a surprisingly large, what's that? That actor who plays Sykes, he was one who was like, I know I've seen him. Oh, <laughs> like, right. I was just like, I, I know I've seen him in like 20 things. I just cannot place a single one of them. Yeah. I just, I, <laughs> Sorry. I think there's a surprising number of, um, of these secondary characters that you, you like, you get why they're there. You understand their purpose. Um, and they, I don't know, they kind of create a, a really rich texture to this that I was way less aware of when I was a kid. And I was just like, Jack Kelly is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> what makes Jack Kelly cool? Can we, can we dig into that? Is it, ah, he's got a swagger about him, right? Totally. So there's, there's definitely the confidence and uh, the respect. Like, like immediately we know he's the leader of these newsies. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, he's a little bit I, different. He, and the way that he dresses and the, and the fact that, you know, he's got this kind of obsession with the West. Um, he's got, yeah, he's got a, he's got a good look where it's like notable, uh, you know, with the red bandana around yeah, his neck yeah. and the vest. Uh, so it, it's not like a, a costume, but it's identifiable, uh-huh. uh, you know, his, his look. And he, I, I mean, because this is a, a, a film with, um, you know, these dashing male leads in the early nineties, he has the center hair part going on. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't be, wouldn't be a nineties film without he, it. He, he could have stepped onto home improvement and not been that far. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that he just, there's so much charisma and like his relationship with meta and you're like, what's up with that? How does he know this woman? And, and, you know, she really likes him and, um, I, I think the word that comes to mind is he's so charismatic mm-hmm. and Christian Bale yeah. just, he just owns it. Like he really, I think he does a really good job in this film. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's very easy to say 30 years on, but I think even in 1992 watching this film, you said, which one of these is going to have a career that's like winning awards in the next <laughs> two oh, yeah. three decades. Everyone was like, well, it's Christian Bale. That's why he's the lead in this. It's right. Because, uh, I, I mean, and all these other actors, I assume they're like all working actors that were in this. That means like they had something that got them that far. But Christian Bale is just popping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just clear that he has something that you're looking for in your lead actors. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Are there any of the other characters that that stand out for you? Um, wow. We mentioned a bunch of them already. I just, all the newsies are so, they, I just think they do such a good job, but, um, I like crutchy a lot mm-hmm. and I really like race car, race track, race track, race car, race track, race, race which, car which is, is the name, name of my of... son's stuffed animal. Race track is the name of an actual, uh, one of the other leaders of the 1899 strike. Okay. Uh, was, uh, let's see. It is Ed racetrack Higgins was one of the other. Okay. Organizers. And he's played by. Um. Uh, hang on, I'm gonna look him up. Newsies cast. What's his name? Max Casella. 
and he was in Doogie Howser. And that's what I remember him from when I was, because that was, that was just, I don't know, a few years before this. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's good. Like his presence in this film is totally notable. I think he's a good dancer. Um, he's not a bad singer and he just like his presence is um, felt. I like him a lot. I think the other newsy that's worth noting for the presence is spot. Oh yeah. He's got like a, uh, like a, kind of Leonardo DiCaprio in the early nineties. Totally. <laughs> I remember once looking him up to see if it was Leonardo DiCaprio in my, you know, in my memory, I'm like, I, was that Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie? And looked at him and it's not him, but he does kind of have that, uh, that, that vibe. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, the character using the cane and just like the amount of respect that all the other newsies, like you're just curious about Brooklyn and spot, like, mm-hmm. the way that, like there's a mystique about it. And the actor does a good job of embodying, uh, some of that. Yeah. The, they did not spend a ton of money on this film. $50 million is not a huge budget. But even in 1992, even in 1992, but I like like visually this film totally stands up even better than I would say like, um, uh, like hook, which is a movie from around the same time period that feels like it was built on a made on a soundstage, but this feels like it's made in New York. And it, I, I, I think there are times where you feel like the the smallest of the space they're using, that if you like pan to the right, something else is going to be there. But at the same time, like every time you see what you're seeing, it feels like old timey New York. Yeah. And, and, and the, and the few times when they really try to, you know, pan out and show you the big thing, like I'm thinking specifically of when they're walking across the bridge, the Brooklyn bridge, Mm -hmm. and then it pans out and you're like, Oh, look at that. It is old timey New York. And it's not perfect. You know, can, for today's standards, you, you can you can see the you can see through it a little bit, but I think it I think it stands up really well. It doesn't feel yeah. hokey or you know weird when they sh- when they're showing the um, the big Stark Tower, but it's not Stark Tower. It's Pulitzer's big thing, you know. Um, and uh, I, you know, I all of that. It feels it doesn't ever pull me out of the film. I like it. Yeah. Um, for the budget they had, I think this, the set design and the cinematography and everything like it, it's really good actually. Yeah. <laughs> the costuming, like it all, it all works. There's some shots that I, are really, really good. Like yeah. where you think, Oh, that's great. The lighting and the angles and everything just works really well. Yeah. There's, I mean, this is like my, maybe my last nit to pick. There's a few scenes where like I just felt like they needed to work to like just get one more beat in there or something. Like the scene when Jack is hiding behind Snyder, like when Snyder's coming looking mm, for Jack in the, mm-hmm. like it just kind of stops and it's like uh, I don't know if in editing or writing something else just needed to like just just nail that. Mm-hmm. Like, like what's there is fine, but it doesn't feel like it's nailing it. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> in the third makes- act, there's it could have been. Um, I don't know if I want to say tightened up a little bit or like expanded a little bit. <laughs> you know, there's just something there's something about the way that the third act plays out that the it feels a little choppy to me. Yeah, but uh, I don't want to end on a nitpick. We're gonna have to be wrapping up. I do want to say I will always watch 
a montage of old-timey newspaper printing happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when, when they break into that building and they're, they're, they're pulling out the uppercase letters and the lowercase letters. and <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why. I'm a sucker for that. Every movie, even if it's set in the future, should have an old-timey newspaper <laughs> montage. Yeah. Yeah, that's your that's your jam, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, any final thoughts about Newsies? No, I'm just so glad that we got to watch this again. And um, and if there's one if there's one thing that Kenny Ortega can do, it's those big dance numbers. And everybody's yeah. like, you know, they come around the corner and they're all perfectly lined up and they're all dancing. That I'm I'm like. You got me, Kenny. I'm all in on this. Oh, yeah, this. with, with the, uh, the camera on the dolly being pulled back in front of them as they're, like, watch, walking with purpose. Oh, yeah. Rhythm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then and then you get the overhead shot, and they've formed a human triangle. Yes. <laughs> their fists in the air looking up. Yes. yes, totally. I mean, I'm I'm all in on that. And uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I like Newsies. I'm, I'm, I'm in on it. Yeah, uh, I like this. And uh, when in the next uh, five years it's announced that they're uh, making a remake with the Broadway cast, I will go see it, I'm sure. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. All right, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast and your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Tom, who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. I know they didn't spend a, a ton of movie on this film, but I think they do a pretty good job of dressing up New York and the. Hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you, Andrew. We're gonna have a quick edit because <laughs> that sentence that just came out something was wrong. What did I say? I think you said that they didn't spend a ton of movie in this film. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs>